The Folklore Podcast is the official podcast of the Folklore Library and Archive, which you can find online at www.folklorelibrary.com. Our aim is to preserve and make available for the future folklore resources in all formats, audio, visual, print and physical artefacts. To help us to achieve our goal, please consider supporting our work by either joining the Folklore Podcast Patreon family at www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast, where you can access extra materials, or visit the Library and Archive website. You can learn more about our work, browse our materials, and, if what you find there is useful and worthwhile, you can make a donation on our fundraising page. Thank you for helping us to save folklore material for the future. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author, and today we're shifting our focus to the medium of film with our guest George Popov. Bulgarian-born George is a writer and director and one half of the team behind Rubicon Films, the other being writer-producer Jonathan Russell. Having already produced folkloric feature films Hex and The Droving, the pair have turned their attention to the documentary format with the Sideworld project, which aims to take a closer look at different aspects of our folklore in thematic productions. The first of these is Haunted Forests of England, which takes a look at three very different locations from across the country, examining the legend and lore to be found there from the ancient to the modern. George joined me recently to discuss the film. Before we turn to that interview, Here is an audio extract of part of the opening of the movie. The mysteries of the earth have captured the imagination of humankind since the dawn of civilization. Even today, with scientific and technological advancement, these questions of the unknown continue to challenge our perception of what we call reality. My name is George Popov. I'm a writer-director, and I've spent most of my life creating make-believe stories trying to find the truth through telling lies, and continuing the same legacy of folklore and legends that have been passed down for thousands of years. But for some of those tales, truth and lies do not relate in such a simple equation. When the line between fact and fiction is enshrouded in mist and shadow, beyond that threshold is a place that can change our perspective on everything we think we know. I call this place the side world.
dominated by trees and void of civilization, the great woodlands and forests of the world are the remnants of a time long forgotten. Whilst vast and majestic, these patches of land cultivate life and sustain the growth of an array of species. But what dark secrets do these forests hide when no human is around to witness? What lurks in the depths of the undergrowth, in the shadows of the trees? Okay, so George, welcome onto the Folklore Podcast. It's great to have you here. Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, we're going to talk today about your latest film, uh, which looks at the subject of haunted forests. But before we do, can we just talk a little bit about yourself? Um, tell everybody a bit about your, your background and what you do and why you've come to be working with folklore in this medium. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, um, I'm primarily a film director and writer and... Um, me and my um, business partner, Jonathan Russell, we have a, a production company called Rubicon Films, and we've made two feature films before, narrative ones uh, called Hex and the Droving. And um, they're, they're both kind of deal with a little bit of folklore and, 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 and horror and thriller aspects. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is this is um, this documentary, Sideworld, Haunted Forest of England, that's my first real um foray into into more factual stuff i mean factual i do say with with you know inverted commas because um you know we're still talking about myth and legend but but that it's a that it's a documentary so um i am coming into it with a little bit more of um storytelling filmmaker's perspective um ra- rather than necessarily from a more scientific you know or, or historical point of view but that's just plenty of my interests and i think one of that's the one of the reasons why i wanted to become a filmmaker and a director because of you know in kind of the family i grew up in they were always surrounded by different sorts of arts and talks about different things and my my father is an artist my um uh, grandfather was a theater director my mother an actress so all these kind of arts and talks about you know uh, history and music and and everything and um i like all of that and i i wondered what is how can I how can I get like sort of the the, the full English breakfast of all of that? Like you have a little bit of everything, and uh, filmmaking was the was that medium. So kind of I was naturally drawn to it. Uh, it's it's great to see the um, the move over as well from uh, the the fiction narrative to the documentary narrative. And of course, you're absolutely right. When we're dealing with with folklore, then storytelling is a really good route in because after all, that's how folklore propagated for, for many many years before before the modern age so it's a good way of doing it now now hex and the droving of course as you say did deal with a lot of folklore themes as as part of their story there's that whole kind of folklore folk horror crossover and and, and lots of lots of folklore and myth in in those stories and and those films are both available on uh, Amazon Prime I think and, and various other yep. places if if people want to catch them and they absolutely should um I enjoyed the droving immensely um but the move over to documentary is great to see because I think it's surprising isn't it that there isn't more documentary looking at folklore themes when you consider 
the rise in popularity of the subject, particularly lately. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I I, th- I think there is a big desire of when when you know, we talk about that rise of the f- of folklore. Um, it, it is um, the the strange thing of when when you want to tap into the folklore, but also you kind of want to create a little bit of your own. Uh, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of, and that's you know the drawing has a lot to that with like it's inspired by a lot of stories, but it's mainly a script written by me and Jonathan, like it's all so our own creation. So as much as talking about the old folklore is, I think it's always important that we keep on telling our stories. But at the same time, especially if we're talking about feature films, I I, I think they occupy the space of you know we have to. Uh, conform to a single genre and yes you have, of course you have the folk horror and that fits most neatly um with that aspect uh, but what's interesting about folklore and myths and legends is that they're so multifaceted you're getting such a different variety of genres with it even if you look into stuff that is just you know pure mythology like greek or norse or anything i mean you, sometimes it's a horror story sometimes it's a funny funny encounter sometimes it's a very sexual adventure you know it's it's so varied and i think it's difficult for especially hollywood and and, and film you know bigger films and companies to really categorize that segment it package it you know label it and sell it um and um i love that because that's more room for us to explore all these sort of facets and uh, because even when you're talking about primarily you know scary or paranormal stories that these films deal with you still have all of that variety in there to explore and i think that's they've left that to television for a long time i just think there is a lot of room to do it in a, in a feature film format even though in a in a series franchise but but and then if i can add a little bit of of the sort of more um you know atmospheric story type storytelling that i do anyway with with the narrative films but put that within something that talks about real folklore so Haunted Forests of England um, looks at three different areas of the country and, and the stories that are contained within forests in those areas. And they are quite different in terms of their stories. So let, let's have a look at each of the, the three that you cover a little bit. Um, so you start off with Wisman's Wood, which is uh, an area of Dartmoor, not too far from where I live, probably about an hour from where I am, actually, so I know that one very well. Um, Wisman's Wood is is a very ancient woodland, um, far older than the other two that you cover, for example. Um, So tell everybody a little bit about um, the area of of Wisman's and the kinds of stories that you found whilst looking at that. Yeah, absolutely. I think... um... One of the things that really, really help helps me in a way is that uh, because when 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 I write together or we plan something with Jonathan, he's um, he's a native Englishman and he has a big connection to all these things from from the get go. I do as well in terms of interest, but I'm 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 born in Bulgaria. I'm I have and I've lived in a few different places, and and to me, all of this stuff is still exotic and every time i say that i have you know locals kind of laugh and be like oh how can we be exotic and it's like well to me you are and i kind of like to retain a little bit of this as much as more you know british eyes i become you know the 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 more i involved with these things but i like to create a little bit of that still uh, pure fascination from the get-go 
a little bit more of that outsider's view because it helps me discern what really has um, kind of universal appeal to everyone, not just like the person who lives right next to the place. And if there is something for them as well that I'm going to mention, that's great. But they're probably going to know it a little a lot more in depth than than we can ever cover in the the, the twenty or fifteen minutes that's going to be spent in um, uh, in the documentary. So it always goes by what's the combination of the story itself. Is the story itself just fascinating to anyone if you just hear about it? And then, and then, um, especially in this case with Haunted Forest of England, which is connected to a location, what is that location giving um, that's unique? And Wisman's Wood, it just looks like it's out of a fairy tale. It just looks like it should not belong uh, on this planet. And with with the whole show being called Sideworld, I think it was a, such a prime example to open with that one because it was just like stepping into into a different world. And it, it was beautiful when that one... I mean, I saw some pictures, but when we arrived there to shoot, um, yeah, just it, it was such a magical feeling. You felt like there's something, um, you know, fantasy like going on in that place. Uh, the moment you step in, and and when you, um, a lot of the myths, especially about old Crocker and the, and the, the huntsman and all um, all these stories that we cover, um, there there's so many particular locations like a stone or, or a crag or, or a tree that that you can just go there and witness them. It does seem when people talked about like hundreds of years before, like how was this uh, could be connected to that story. There is an incredible sense of place um, connected to all these stories. And um, yeah, to me, it was very easy to be in that atmosphere. Yeah, it is, as you say, a beautiful location and, and it, it is beautifully shot as well i have to say the cinematography throughout the documentary i I think really does justice to the locations doesn't it as well did you try and evoke a particular feeling through the way that you presented the landscape in that way yeah i mean i try i mean that that was one of my first fears of like i said like going into documentaries that I'm, i'm gonna probably lose a certain set of tools that I'm used to when, when crafting sort of trying to, to, to craft an atmosphere with the, the narrative films. But then I quickly discovered that like, well, I don't have to play by the same rules that every other quote unquote documentarian does. You know, I, I can try to maybe skew more towards what, what I'm comfortable with. So if um, uh, I'm just going to try to shoot the forest as if those were shots or characters or uh, anything in, in a narrative film that, that um, you know, to try to evoke a particular emotion or particular palette of um, colors or, or composition that's going to fit within the, the the type of story we're getting into. So hopefully, I mean, some of it comes across, some of it, it just looks pretty. Um, you know, you can't, uh, you can't have them all be um, completely meaningful. Um, but but um, yeah, there, there, there was an attempt of, of trying to make certain shots feel more otherworldly or more more in place than others. Yeah, uh, and uh, the area around Wisman's, of course, is is connected, I suppose, with with two very particular sorts of story. There's a, there's a lot of story there connected with ideas of the devil and the wild hunt and and these sorts of stories. Um, but then at the same time, although the, the actual stories connected to it are slightly less prevalent, perhaps, it's got that kind of um, almost fairy forest feel to yeah. it, hasn't it, as well? Um, d- did you find that 
um, uh, the stories relating there are are particularly kind of older, more legendary, more mythic in nature, perhaps than some of the other locations. Yeah, definitely. It, it was it was um, again. That's why I felt like a great place to start with in the documentary because uh, it did the all the stories had a, the, a very ancient root um in on the mythological level and some of the other stories like they even had some some strong kind of contemporary um elements and yeah medieval as well but but with Wisman's would even though you know to to this day people sometimes you know and in Dartmoor as a whole say they they, they see things and everything and and that's of course very interesting and fun but you can absolutely root it in a lot of history and and I was I was surprised about the the whole um wild hunt connection as well because uh, i knew more about it from the more you know nordic mythology um and of course everything the the more the more you read stuff about history and mythology and everything the more you see how we're all connected um especially especially europe you know how there are so many borrowed things uh even sometimes from nations that you don't think they've even met um and that that's all fascinating to see all these these connections. And sometimes people make up you know hilarious stuff like Francis Drake like leading the hunt or something. It's like what's who who thought of that? Um, and then and then you read into the whole you know as you said it's a very much like a devil country with a lot of stories about churches being funded by the devil and stuff like that. that that's it's like that, that, just wonderful wonderful stories. And uh, I I love. When you put a lot of a lot of pins on on the on the board, and then you start connecting them all, and and you see how um, everything can connect from ancient times, then medieval, and then uh, even um, Renaissance, and it's like hearkening back to it. Um, and and the fact that Wisman's just feels like something ancient, and any what because well, it is, you know, it's it's a very it's a very tiny forest compared to the other ones, but it's what's left out of what at some point was all covered by a by a forest and not the kind of the the boggy land that it is right now but it's surrounded by all of this and just to get to it you have to you know traverse through dartmoor to and then you see this oasis of uh there's these old trees that have this this wonderful turquoise like viridian type of color um to them um yeah it feels like you transport it back into ancient times yeah, it, it absolutely does, um, and it's interesting as well. You talk about this this idea of connecting stories together, almost with with pins, like a kind of yeah. detective's notice board where you're trying to match clues together. Um, and of course, I mean that that is the reason why we find figures like Francis Drake, actually, I suppose, put being put in place to lead the wild hunt because key figures, important historical figures often got put into these places and there would always be a regional kind of connection there. So we find King Arthur as being another kind of unlikely leader of the wild yeah. hunt, you know, and that sort of thing. So so that, that, that's not unsurprising. And of course, a lot of these stories, characters are used to replace older characters within the same stories. So even some of the stories of the devil might relate to stories of giants from earlier on and they might relate to other stories. So we do find that follows through, absolutely. But then you move in your second location to Cannock Chase, um, which is in the Midlands, for those not in the UK. And Cannock Chase is a very different kind of 
landscape, isn't it? Um, describe a little bit about about the difference between your first and second location. Yeah, can, can I just? I mean, to be, for starters, I was a bit more familiar with it because um, we shot plenty of hex our first film um, in parts of Canuck Chase. Um, Jonathan, who was the co-writer on Hex and, and, and producer as well, and writer and producer on, on this film, on 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 the forests, um, he's from Staffordshire, so he was pretty, you know, more familiar with it. He knew some of the stories already. Um, so yeah, there was there was a familiar feeling uh, to Canuck Chase, and also a lot of it is has you know alleyways, uh, and that's not the right word, um, you know, paths the people you know run and jog and you know walk their dogs and it's a lot more i mean it's not just like a park it's obviously a lot bigger and and a lot wilder but but it's a completely different feeling like you you feel more at home with something like canic chase than than wisman's woods but that's what added hugely to the story of these encounters because you feel like you can you you know you're probably not going to relate much about finding yourself just kind of wandering through Wisman's woods at night in the middle of Dartmoor, you know, in a storm or something, but you can absolutely be going home or you can be, you know, on, on a Sunday jogging through, um, Canuck chase and you can see, uh, probably the pig man or the, or the black eyed children or anything like that. It's much more easily relatable. So, and it was more of a challenge than like, like how do, how do we make then this forest look, um, mythological and, and, and atmospheric and everything. And it wasn't, wasn't that difficult um the 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 kind of the trees still speak to you if i can say it like a crazy person um you know they they still tell you like how they want to be shot they're still very photogenic um and you you extract that you extract that that portion of uh, of the forest you just make it look its best if you uh if wisman's was was photogenic in a in a like every single um area of it it looks looks absolutely fairy tale like and incredible can i chase wanted to tell you well what what's in that dark corner behind that path what what what's just you know slightly off from what your path is behind this little bush you know and um it, it worked very well with the type of stories that we're telling because they're a bit more ghostly and cryptid and real crime as well related than the other stuff and in some parts were just you know more more um, crazy and connected to aliens so you know things like that yeah, let's talk a little bit about that actually, because you're right. It is a more populated area. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a um, much more public area, uh, as you say, than than Wisman's. And a lot of the stories connected with Canic Chase are probably slightly more well. They're more modern in yeah. in many ways, but but also I guess we might call them a little bit more paranormal mm-hmm. than we might call them purely folkloric. Yeah. Um, so just just say which stories you covered at Canic Jason and, and you know how how they spoke to you. Yeah, I mean um there is the there's two stories that we cover in a little bit more detail which is the story of the the pig man which which starts a little bit more sensationalist and and kind of more more funny and um it feels like a bit more of a lighthearted reprieve from uh you know what we're talking about with Wisman's Woods and which feels like a big thick you know storybook full of folklore and everything so uh, it was a change of pace which i think a, a um 70 minute long documentary needs 
to to refresh in the, the sort of style. But well, also I like you know subverting a little bit of expectations, and and it you know you say Big Man, it's like ah, it's silly, it's a cryptid, it kind of chase the show. But then you go into you know plenty of different theories, just like with every good folklore story of where this whole thing originates from, real or not. And um, quickly, what seems like a funny concept um, turns into being an incredibly sad story, maybe about someone who was um, a deformed kid back in the medieval times, born to a witch, um, who was you know relegated from their village um, for, you know, doing something with the devil to have birthed such a child. And then the child gets abandoned and then they see it and they call him the pig man. And it, it's, um, and I, th- I think that that sometimes can surprise people when, because when you have a, like a very weighty story about it, you've heard about it and then, you know, keep on talking, keep on exploring, then you, you kind of know what to expect. Like how, no matter how much you um dig into the rabbit hole but with something like the pigman there there's no like huge expectations that it's not gonna necessarily grab you by the throat but those stories can i mean like i said it's so varied like it's so quickly something that can seem otherworldly um and even hilarious can turn into real and sad um depending on how you look at it It, uh, all of these things you just depend on how you look at that's why i don't like to say in the documentaries like well i think this is real and i think this is not because that's that's the best part we don't know and uh, it's it's uh, you're robbing yourself of you're robbing the audience from from making making that 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 um extra um search on their own um which can be very fulfilling so that that was that was the pigment story yeah yeah, and of course, belief is a very personal thing, isn't it? So it's 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 not any of our places to say whether something is definitively right or wrong. That's that's a personal opinion. Yeah. Um, well, the other story that you cover in more detail, uh, of course, is the story of the black-eyed children, and yep. and that is a much more widespread story mm-hmm. globally. In mm-hmm. fact, um, whereas the pigman is a very regional story yep. within Canuck Chase, black-eyed kids we find all over the world. How did they end up in Canuck Chase? Well, um, again, we don't know, but but mm-hmm. uh, uh, we wanted to say that they do, and um, uh, th- there's been plenty of encounters there, and uh, um, we don't necessarily again link the two. Um, we we don't have a definitive theory of what we think, but um, you cannot not mention some real crime that unfortunately has happened to children in the. Um, in the Canuck Chase forests, and that also coincides with what might have happened around the world when you, when you see such a such a phenomenon or what people see and describe. And uh, I didn't know about this infamous story about a serial killer in uh, Canuck Chase dealing with children, but uh, it happened right in some of the spots where some of those sightings have happened. So we didn't want to necessarily say that, that that's where it originates from but it would feel like we're we're missing on a on a huge potential connection if we don't mention something that is as obvious as that um and you know when you're dealing with with real crime and real tragedy in what's essentially a folklore you know um haunted stories documentary you know you have to be careful not to you know make make some tasteless connections and say like well uh, we've cracked the case here but also at the same at the, the, the same time 
I want to show how all of these stories are connected to the real world and real people and real tragedies, and they don't come just out of nowhere. They don't just we don't just make them up only because they're fun. Some we do, uh, but but some are connected to real um, real horror, and there's nothing scarier than, than than the horror committed by humans. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, Canic Chase is a bit of a UFO hotspot as well, isn't it? Do you find that there are still a number of people who visit the chase purely to try and experience some of these stories? Because, of course, legend tripping is, is a very big part of, of kind yeah. of uh, that side of folklore, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, th- th- there is... I mean, a lot of big forests in in a lot of countries are connected to UFO stories. I mean, uh, and you see that in the states, you see that here, you see that in Bulgaria, uh, which which is funny because in Bulgaria you can get into some really remote stories where you have an old ninety year old granny that's lived there since you know the First World War or something, and she's never had a television or anything, and she describes to you an alien and a saucer from literally from um, close encounters of the third kind. And she's never seen a movie after gone with the wind. Um, and then you ask yourself like, how, how, how did that happen? <laughs> um, and um, you can trace a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff in here as well. I mean, of course you have the famous, even more famous stuff like Rendlesham forest and everything. So I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll one of these we have to do a, a an, an alien folklore you know story with a, with a side world but uh, yeah some people go to Canuck Chase just to see if they're gonna they're gonna see something um, and it's a yeah that's a, that's a huge if I can call it subgenre on its own mm-hmm. but um, we could not you know mention it um, as part of the the legacy of the place no no absolutely. Okay, and and your final location was Epping Forest, um, a different kind of location again. Tell us a little bit about Epping Forest and about the stories that you covered there. Yeah, I mean, Epping Forest, what makes it sort of special, uh, mostly is that it's so close to London. And um, and then the history of it, you know, talking about, like, again, real horror, of how it was used as a dumping ground for many of the mobsters, you know, back in the day and maybe even now. Um, and, uh, and which is, which is, it's, it's modern sort of, sort of folklore and modern history of what people would have done there. But then you, you trace it all the way back to Boudicca and all the important battles that happened there. So he has a lot of baggage, like, like Epping was full of, it was our baggage location, you know, that in thematically, you know, we wanted to do with every, every, um, forest, you know, a different, you know, like like you do different arcs in in a in a narrative film. Your first arc, second, third. You know, um, um, and then and then in in this forest, it just gave you that weight in the end that the that the film needed, especially with the story about the the, the suicide pond. Um, and that was something that was really fascinating. And and the the more you looked into it, the more the colder my blood got because the the fact that um, especially when we want to shoot it there and, and we were looking at all the different ponds and, and I'm just, uh, well, could it be this one? Could it be this one? Cause still no one knows what is this place that um, so many people have gone and, you know, uh, unfortunately killed themselves at, at, at that spot. Um, some is some of it different places that then folklore has made into one to say that's a thing because human brain wants to find patterns um, or 
is it at a specific one that has a a negative type of energy because of things that have happened there before i mean could be could be all of these things but we know some things for a fact and we know that some people said um, i think i know which one it is but i'm not going to tell anyone because i don't want anyone to find it ever um it 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 it, it was the most sort of x filesy um but but mixed with the zodiac you know feel of, yes. of all of them yeah. but the zodiac killer is just a little body of water and 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 um I, I shot it that way as well. Uh, that that any one of these little ponds is a is a suspect in the case, um, and yeah, it's such has just such a melancholic feel. I mean, water anyway. I, I always feel that way about it. I kind of use it in that way in hex in the drawing, but here specifically, it, it you know worked so in such a sad poetic way yeah. um, to end the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. What other stories did you find in Epping? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like I mentioned. Um, the the history of Boudicca it was related to I mean we did relate in the end we made a connection to potentially with the suicide pond because it said that you know when the, the Romans did corner her and her daughters they um they committed suicide by a, a, a body of water and there is one of the you know highly suspected suicide ponds that's very close to their uh, last camp um, but yeah a lot of other weird just stories I mean you have um Dick Turpin, um, who who frequented um, there and had its its own lair in a in a in a cave, I think. I don't. There is no. There was no specific place for the cave, really. Mm. But but um, and I, I I think he people see still he see his ghost, and that's really interesting. I th- I think there is a, a um, sort of a part two to the Dick Turpin legend that I want to do at some point, maybe with Anasa, what we'll explore more in a different part because. Uh, they talk about a lot about York and his grave there when he's after he's hanged and there's kind of the story continues, but that's another thing that I love exploring because, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, historical figure turned into a folklore sort of legend, like a, like a superhero. Um, there is a lot of romanticism, um, to that character and, um, you know, he wasn't that decent of a human being to deserve maybe that, that sort of legacy. So I love, I love sort of sometimes bringing down those statues of, uh, yeah. of legends. And, and these popular characters and notorious characters, of course, they become very difficult to unpick the stories of yeah. because of course, so much develops over time. Yeah. And uh, you, you have people like Anne Boleyn and Dick Turpin as well, where, Yes, they haunt about seventeen different locations, oh, yeah. <laughs> often at the same time. You know, and and trying to unpick whether there are actually any genuine connections between historical yeah, events and, and the way that stories develop can be so difficult, can't it? Yeah. Um, how much time did you have to spend researching for this before you actually went into production? Because there's I a mean, lot of information in there. No, it is absolutely. I mean, it, it was a it was a few months. Um, of, of going into of going to different stories and and one thing is getting all the information about the stories but it, at some point it becomes what do you not include you know it, it's uh, because um, there is way more definitive I'm sure um, sources of information for each and every one of those stories that someone I would urge everyone to go and look into research read enjoy uh, about any one of these stories but um, when we want to make something that's a bit more multifaceted and talks about, you know, the idea and and the the 
the allure and the, the myth of haunted stories as, as a whole in England with giving three just three examples and there is more that we want to explore and you have to pick the ones that work in the narrative way that keeps the, the viewer interested and and um you have to pick the parts of them that really work for the narrative that you want to tell they're kind of a bit like actors or or, or set pieces in, in in your own film that you know this one cannot follow this one and this one cannot be that long so there, there is a lot of boring mechanical um you know structure to to all of it that there's a lot of stuff that i would have liked to include or talk about um or explore more um and, and go more in depth and, and be even more accurate about some stuff again accurate folklore but you know what i mean um that you just you just cannot do because you're trying to uh, you know you're working within the limitations of what a feature film can do yes absolutely and, and the whole thing about the kind of an anthology documentary like this is is it has to act as a starting point for people the, yeah. the whole point is that it, it needs to give enough information that it's watchable and it's interesting yeah. and that people enjoy it and want to watch the whole thing but then it gives sufficient information that people go oh, i want to look at this in more detail and they, they go absolutely off and... i mean that, that that's that's what happened to me when i was when i was a kid you know and even with something that was just narrative i mean uh, uh... I was and I still am a huge X-Files fan. Like I, I loved all of these things, but every time they, you know, they're going the case and Mulder mentions just a little bit of a backstory about the thing, then I'll go and try to find the book or the website or the thing where, where, where he talks about it. And that, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sideworld is, as, as you suggested earlier on, a project which is ongoing. This is not a one-off documentary. Um, so this is going to be part of a series that looks at different aspects of of folklore and myth and these kinds of stories. Where else are you going to take it? Yes, well, we are um, in doing the finishing touches on on our next uh, Sideworld project, our next Sideworld film, which will be coming out um, pretty soon. And um, it's uh, this one is called Terrors of the Sea. So similar to how we explored the forest, we're going to go and look at anthology um, stories and myth and legend um, of, um, you know, that are sea related, the sea legends and, and myth. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think we, we kind of up the ante and the ambitions in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but in the same way, it's, you know, we had a, you know, thanks to everyone who watched the uh, Haunted Forest and they keep watching it because we had a very positive um, you know, feedback from it, and and just encourages us to to do more and more and more, and people are very excited to, you know, f- for them to see what we're going to explore next. So, um, yeah, sea related um, horror legends and stories, and 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 uh, of different scale as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what what people think about that one, and then yeah, uh, we're planning to make. Um, quite a few more after that because it's it's uh very re- rewarding with um with these stories and um it's such a good experience me traveling to all the places and, and filming them and as well um I, mean, I love the feature films and i'll keep doing them and it's it's something to you know you kind of do one to rest from the other uh but what this gives you that those don't is like you're you're spending two years of your life with one story with those ones we're here um you know uh you're just jumping from one to the other you know not all of them probably deserve a feature film treatment but that's why they're in here so we can kind of like 
you know spike a quick interest towards it and and, and get people excited so um yeah we, we want to make sideworld just a big hub for everyone who's interested in that kind of stuff doesn't matter if you are you coming from the horror angle are you coming from the folklore angle are you coming from the history angle from the from just the nature you know angle sometimes of it or or a local angle you know you're welcome and 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 you're gonna find some you know like-minded fans around to to um to sort of you know mingle with whatever that is digitally or not so um yeah and I hope that um, people do want to engage in that way because there, there is, as I was saying, there, there is a sad lack of, of um, particularly television or, or related media um, formats that cover folklore in, in a good way, <clears throat> in, in the kind of way that we cover it on here, for example. Um, and there needs to be more of that sort of thing, yeah. for sure. So importantly for anybody listening and i'm sure there will be plenty of people listening who haven't had a chance to catch this but will want to watch it and i would encourage everybody to watch it to get a feel of where this season <clears throat> sorry where this series is going to go because um there's a lot of places that it can go and should be encouraged to um how can people um find haunted forests and give it a watch yeah, so uh, Haunted Forest at the moment, um, Saddle with the Haunted Forest of England is available um, on Amazon Prime. It's it's available on Google Play. It's available on uh, YouTube. Buy and rent in the states is on Tubi and Roku. So um, I'm pretty sure if you just Google Saddle, you'll be able to find a place to watch it uh, in pretty much all English speaking countries and soon in more as well. Uh, I know it's available also in Australia and uh, a bunch more. Um, and then the same thing will be with Sarbo Terrors of the Sea. So we have um, um, a Facebook page um, that's called Sarbo where you can be able to, um, you know, keep, keep up with it. And then uh, mainly a Twitter where we where we post every day alongside just Rubicon films um, where you can get some information about Sarbo as well as Hex and the Drawing. So yeah, you'll you'll be able to find us on social media, and um, yeah, if you just look up Sidewalk, um, you'll be able to follow all of them. Excellent. I will put links on the episode page for this episode on the Folklore Podcast website for people to go and follow Rubicon and have a look at that, and also to a couple of places where you can get hold of a copy to rent or buy or whatever of um, Sideworld and give it a watch. Uh, and I hope you all do. So, George, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us about the project. And I shall look forward to covering the next iterations of it in more detail as they come out. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. And also thank you for uh, enjoying the series. And, uh, you know, your opinion does mean a lot because you, you specialize in one of those big aspects of the film or folklore in particular. And um, it's it's uh, it's important to to someone who's as, as excited and as knowledgeable as an area like this to um, to enjoy just the champion as you said that we need more of it. So that, that's yeah. that helps a lot. Thank you. No, my pleasure. We absolutely do. And I shall continue to do so. Thank you, George. Thank you. Thanks to George for chatting about the first Sideworld film, Haunted Forests of England. You can rent or buy the movie from Amazon Prime and learn more about Rubicon Films on their website at rubiconfilms.co.uk. There'll be a new episode of the Folklore Podcast Book Club out soon. And in the next episode of the main podcast we'll be discussing the representations of folklore in the long-running science fiction show Doctor Who, 
with guests Will Hadcroft and Gareth Preston. I hope you can join me for those soon. In the meantime, please visit the website at www.thefolklorepodcast.com where you can sign up for our free newsletter, access our entire back catalogue of episodes and bonus content free of charge, and, of course, link through to support us on Patreon or by donation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.